Welcome to The Christian Atheist, where faith and reason fuse in the Incarnation. Episode number 65. Update on the closing of our churches. On March 20th, 2020, soon after Jenny and I decided to launch The Christian Atheist, dedicating our lives to serve the Lord in this way, the world was rocked, not as we have come to understand by a pandemic, but by an irresponsible and ill-advised pandemic response that would forever change our world. We published this episode of The Christian Atheist as a call to Christian solidarity. We had little knowledge at the time what was happening. But our cautions and suspicions proved prescient. It is time to assess where we've come. First, that episode in its first appearance on the podcast platform. On the closing of our churches, in the first edition of The Christian Atheist, some of you may have noted that I hinted at a pervading softness that dismays and frustrates me with our Christian practice in today's world. This go-along-to-get-along spirit, this adoption of tolerance as a fundamental ethical principle, is an issue I will devote extended discussion to in some future edition of The Christian Atheist. I offer today's comments as a conversation starter, and not to shut down discussion and debate. As Patrick Henry noted, reasoned debate is one of our most effective ways to, quote, arrive at truth and fulfill the great responsibility which we hold to God and our country, end quote. So voices of opposition to my own are here, now and always, welcome. I hear voices saying that choosing to shut down our churches at the request of civil authorities displays weakness. Although I am sympathetic, as noted, to claims that our churches have become far too agreeable on social justice and other issues, I think there is a hint of moral arrogance in those voices arraying themselves against voluntarily following civil protocols. Compliance is not, in itself, weakness. Placing our own judgment above that of others is not, in itself, strong or wise. Forgive me, but as a philosophy professor, I am always suspicious of the easy answers we give ourselves. We human beings are very good at supporting whatever narrative makes us feel good about ourselves, and one of the most effective ways to do that is to paint a picture in which we appear strong and others weak, a picture in which we are wise and others are foolish. This sort of arrogance damages our credibility and hinders our pursuit of truth, not to mention our witness. And it usually is a cover for our own sense of inadequacy, weakness, and ignorance. The reality is that at this point in time, we simply do not know. And it's difficult to even intelligently guess what course of action is the proper one. At such moments, discretion probably is the better part of valor. Shutting down our churches by itself does not do significant damage. Failing to do so might. I can think of no Christian principles being violated by compliance, and at least one that is violated by refusing compliance. Romans 13, verses 1-7. through None of this, however, is meant to imply that I think that the civil authorities are right in this instance. 
Frankly, I am suspicious, as I always am of government and its motives. I am not, however, foolish enough to think myself an expert on topics I know next to nothing about, nor arrogant enough to take upon myself the task of answering these truly tough questions. Messing with such large systems as the U.S. economy is a tricky business, and I fear the impact of these measures will be massive, unpredictable, possibly catastrophic. Will such meddling be justified? Truth will out, as is said, and in time we will know how good or bad these decisions were. Let us, for now, listen, obey, and be vigilant. Let us not assume beneficence on the part of our government, and let us be ready if and when the civil authorities exceed their authority and arrogate powers to themselves. They will. Of this we can be certain, and a strong, unapologetic, and unified Christian response will honor our Savior and advance His kingdom. We here at the Christian Atheists are coronavirus-free, open when all else is closed. For safe discussion and debate, let's start a conversation on these issues, shall we? Let me know where you think I'm wrong. I am open to changing my mind, even radically, when new evidence and arguments come my way. I am, after all, the Christian Atheist. Notice that early on, we emphasized the importance of the voluntary following of civil protocols. This civic voluntarism quickly degenerated into government mandates of all sorts. Mask, vaccine, lockdowns, and orchestrated media campaigns to shut down dissent as disinformation. The rights of citizens were brutally curtailed. Our churches were closed by fiat, and compliance was enforced. But even at the time of this episode, the pandemic response was extreme at what seemed to us an unwarranted level. What followed was almost inconceivable then. COVID was simply not the dangerous virus we were told it was as became clear to us in real time. Yet the media campaign to stoke fear, not to mention hatred, was pervasive. Jenny and I looked about us, and what was evident simply did not align with the picture being painted. It seemed that we were being lied to and manipulated by the government and an enthusiastically compliant press. It seemed that the medical and scientific communities had ceded all their authority to independent thought in favor of groupthink and political orthodoxy. It seemed that partisan power structures were making real their threat to never let a crisis go to waste. Once again, what was evident was real, and the elaborate mental picture was indeed, well, mental. We are led to believe a lie when we see not through the eye. I realize that most of our population does not remember the Soviet news of the Cold War era. Jenny and I do. On COVID, I challenge anyone to distinguish what our mainstream press and social media organizations did from Pravda's coverage of the Kremlin. Pravda means truth in Russian a perfect parallel 
to the doublethink inherent in Western news coverage of COVID. Suddenly, the mere questioning of any of the status dogma got you labeled a COVID denier, a spreader of disinformation, public enemy number one. Anyone who dared to defy a mask mandate became a social pariah. Anyone who chose not to take the vaccine was an anti-vaxxer, akin to a Holocaust denier. I remember James Lindsay in his New Discourses podcast deliberately misstating the drug names ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine in order to avoid the censors that would cancel him just for mentioning them. The doublethink analogy is especially relevant, as in Orwell's 1984, every citizen is expected to simply accept what they are told, no matter how contradictory each new proclamation was to what preceded. We were expected to deny what reality, what science, was telling us. Yet we were expected to simply comply by those who scream bodily autonomy for killing babies when we objected to getting vaccinated. Many on the totalitarian COVID train fantasized about not just mandating, but actively and bodily forcing the vaccine on the reluctant. Thinking differently was not a matter of intellect, reason, and evidence, but of moral failure, just as in totalitarian societies. See the article in our description for this episode entitled, I Know What You Did Last Summer. On October 4th, 2020, we were sufficiently along in the progress of the virus to know things about which we could only speculate early on. It was on that date that the Great Barrington Declaration was signed. If you are unfamiliar with this document, you should stop this podcast and read it now. It can be found as a hotlink in our description, or enter gbdeclaration.org. It made the rational case in the midst of the pandemic, while there was still time to change course, and was presented by some of the world's most well-informed epidemiologists, that we needed to change our failing strategy. It is a single-page read, easy to understand, and from hindsight, we cannot help but wish that they had won the day. Instead, they were demonized, deplatformed, and held up to public ridicule. They are now bringing suit in federal court, represented by the new Civil Liberties Alliance, against President Biden and his administration. The case is State of Missouri, X. Rel. Schmidt, and others, versus Joseph R. Biden, and others. The case is based on newly discovered documentation showing that the Biden administration actively coerced social media companies to censor speech in direct violation of the First Amendment. I began sharing the Great Barrington Declaration with my classes almost immediately when I became aware of it. Almost as a body, my students simply accepted the predominant narrative including the moral hatred and condemnation of dissenting views and those who refused the vaccine, resisted the autocratic takeover of economic activity, the lockdowns, and social controls, who questioned the new orthodoxy. My students knew no other viewpoints. 
I had joined Jonathan Haidt's Heterodox Academy in November of 2018 and committed myself to maintaining a heterodox classroom in which alternate viewpoints are not only welcomed, but encouraged. For most of my students, there were only two types of people. Those moral and good people who embraced the attempt to defeat COVID and the bad people who were opposing it, about whom they knew nothing other than their moral bankruptcy as painted by the government-controlled press organs. I presented the Great Barrington Declaration's viewpoint as a rational alternative to the orthodoxy. Many of my students are military or closely associated, and when the vaccine mandate on the troops came down, the anxiety level in my classes went up. By that time, August 24, 2021, the science was clearly against mandates as the vaccines were losing effectiveness. Yet the government continued to double down on the policy. This move outraged me, as even with previous COVID infection, which provides far superior immunity, there were no exemptions granted. Compliance must be total. Orwell's 1984 was looming. Clearly, the game was no longer about controlling COVID but about controlling people. This brings us to an article Jenny and I will read on No Compromise later this week. It is called The Catastrophic COVID Convergence by Debbie Lerman. But like many on the left who are panicking as they wake up to the devastation of the culture that allowed their excesses to flourish, Ms. Lerman's vision is correct, but short-sighted. She points to four alliterative steps that together caused the catastrophic convergence. Panic, politics, propaganda, and profits. In many ways, this should serve as a blueprint to analyze all the strategic actions being used to undermine our society. Panic is induced from above and below about a topic. For instance, global warming social inequity, or Black Lives Matter, too often by distorting and exaggerating a real problem, turning it from problem to crisis by propaganda. A crisis calls for immediate and rash solutions, whereas a problem needs slow and deliberate consideration. Politics and propaganda follow inevitably from the induced panic as the two sides of the political spectrum invariably respond in predictable ways. One rushing headlong to, quote, fix the perceived problem, carrying the panicked population along with it, and the other resisting the ad hoc analyses and solutions being pushed. In this way, the division can be exploited. Propagandizing, that is, lying about the problem, its severity, and painting all resistance as irrational and immoral, increases the divide, demonizes the opposition, and yields exorbitant profits to those economic interests privileged by the government for following the party line. Ms. Lerman's analysis is undoubtedly correct, but this same process has been undermining our society for decades. Not suddenly, and exclusively in the COVID crisis.
wokeism and COVID go hand in hand. The convergence that Ms. Lerman addresses has far deeper roots than she imagines, as we have tried to show in our series on Hegel and elsewhere. We want this episode to be a call to arms to our listeners. The weapons we must yield are intellectual and anchored in the evident, in awareness, science, and a faith in the efficacy of truth. We must be willing to speak and to stand against the madness. The time for passive acceptance has passed. When I called for Christian solidarity in On the Closing of Our Churches in March of 2020, I warned that the consequences of our COVID policy were, quote, possibly catastrophic, but that, in time, we will know how good or bad these decisions were. As this article indicates, we now know they were catastrophic. We have only begun to pay the consequences. Let us not assume beneficence on the part of our government, I said. And let us be ready if and when the civil authorities exceed their authority and arrogate powers to themselves. They will. Of this we can be certain. I want to end by asking you to read one more article. This one by James Lindsay on his New Discourses website. It is entitled, The Woke Breaking Point. See the links in our description. But I want to broaden the focus to the broader social context. What is your breaking point? When will you finally decide that enough is enough? And that it is time to fight back? It is important now, to fix a line for yourself. Quoting James Lindsay, In circumstances like these threaten to be, everyone should stake out at least some tentative line that their current principles won't let them cross. And they need to do this before they've already crossed it and been forced to defend that which they currently find indefensible. End quote. Why? Because one of the most insidious strategies employed in this constantly shifting field is the degradation of principle itself. Unless you have a clear line in place, you will find yourself crossing all lines, slowly and imperceptibly, by default. The underlying strategy is to transgress all traditional boundaries. This is the Hegelian dialectic literally rewriting the process of human thought. It is the point of the long march through the institutions. Academia was first to fall, but all along the way, the slow, inexorable push has colonized, weakened, and destroyed nearly all the bulwarks of Western civilization and culture. The family, faith, ethics, the rule of law, truth itself through progressive relativization, science, medicine, 
our constitutional republic, and now even the military and our churches. Not to mention the evident distinction between man and woman, between children and adults. All of this must be, quote, criticized. That is, hollowed out of its traditional meaning and structure and made to serve the hyper-rational utopian vision. Can we win this battle? Of this, we can have no certainty. But if we continue to do nothing, they will win. Of this, we can be certain. I am a Christian with the searching and skeptical mind of an atheist. I don't want to believe anything that isn't true. I know both sides of the looking glass, and I know them with open eyes. I choose Christ's side. I invite you to join me from wherever you stand before the looking glass. That's this week's episode. Thanks for listening, and remember, you can have your religious cake and eat it too. You can have reason, respect for science, a 21st century worldview, and be a Christian.